Our gracious Father, we thank you for today. And we, we do now just pray um, for Mark and his family, and especially little Charlie, that you will um, be uh, very near to him now and help him to recover and to trust you. Uh, as uh, he goes through, uh, yeah, he goes through this, and we thank you that Mark's able to be here with us today. Uh, we pray now that as we hear your word read, you might soften us. Uh, please help us in our distractions, uh, in our um, uh, all the things that are going on in our lives. We pray that right now, that as your word is read and proclaimed to us, it might sink deeply into our hearts, transform us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Good morning. So the first, let's read out of Daniel 7, verse 9. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was, like, was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And then we read from Matthew 8, uh, 28, verse 16, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some had doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age." Well, so good to be back amongst you and so good to connect again with the Rubies. It's been wonderful uh, spending time with you during this uh, this, this final home assignment. Uh, and uh, for those of you who remember my sermons before here, I've brought a classic brief uh, outline of my talk. Uh, so that one should be really helpful for you, maybe not. But uh, you will hopefully get a verbal outline as we go. I want to start with a question. Uh, it's a pretty. It's probably on your mind in some ways, and that is, who would become a missionary? I mean, you see this family standing up in front of you, and maybe you think, well, you know, obviously, you know, special kind of people or, or whatever. But who who would do that? 
Uh, there are big costs involved in becoming a missionary. You, you lose connections with key relationships, you know, family, friends, church. Your whole career prospects change. I mean, which employer is looking for missionary on their CV? It's not a common thing these days. What about if you're, if you're single, marriage opportunities? If you're, um, if you're, if you have children, there's the whole question of what the schooling opportunities will look like. There's the lifestyle questions. Um, will the utilities be unreliable? Will the healthcare and the health be compromised? What about those Western comforts? What are the things that you really love in your house that you might have to give up if you went overseas on mission? And what about the fact that if you're there for eight years, I mean, how many hundred cultural no-nos are you going to break during that time? And is that just going to be really hard work, just feeling constantly silly about it? Well, today we reflect on the time spent on mission by the Ruby family, eight years in Ethiopia, with the purpose of making Christ known through working at a missionary school. Several years of planning and preparing and praying, and then the whole family, at a vulnerable stage in life, they step way outside their comfort zone, they embrace the cultural clash, along with the frustrations of trying to make things happen. Some years really fruitful, some years really hard. So why become a missionary? Who would become a missionary? Well, today's gospel reading that we just heard is quite short, the Great Commission, as it's called, but it's supposed to have a long-lasting impact on the life of Christ's church. It's a passage that asks us to entrust ourselves to Jesus to humble ourselves before him and to give our lives in devoted service, all of us. Are you up for the challenge? Is he worthy of your complete devotion? Is he able to carry through with his plan? So as we look at the text, let's, let's pray briefly to God. Our Father, we pray that you would grant us insight to what you're doing in the world And we pray this morning that you would encourage us and challenge us and make us wise. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just reread for you the the last few verses of the Matthew reading, verses 18 to 20. And as I reread it, have a listen for the four alls, the four times that the idea of all is mentioned. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I have commanded. And surely I'm with you all ways to the very end of the age. And we're just going to look briefly at those four alls this morning and see if there are implications for all of us. So the first all, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me, says Jesus. It's an interesting thing to say about yourself, isn't it? Have you ever said that about yourself? I hope not. This is the kind of authority that allows a person to do anything they like. All authority means I am completely in charge of you. Whatever I say, you must do. Now, many Aussies, we, we just don't like authority at the best of times, especially if we have a European background. We don't like to be told what to do. Maybe it's our convict background. 
I don't know, there's a rebel in all of us. I know it's South Australia, we didn't have convicts, yes, etc. Um, but we do nevertheless have an entrenched disrespect somehow for those in authority. And we have a larrikin approach to anyone who thinks that they're better than anyone else. Well, you know, we like to say, don't tell me what to do. You don't have any authority over me. I don't care if it's COVID. You know, this is crazy. I mean, these seating arrangements, all this yucky stuff on my hands and so on. But whatever your background, whether you are from the East or the West, whether you are from a wealthy background or a poor background, a powerful or a vulnerable background, Jesus challenges us all deeply by telling us that he has all authority. How do you feel about that? Can anyone really have all authority? Isn't an authoritarian state a bad thing? Isn't that what we resist? Well, we can't understand what Jesus is saying here without understanding the Bible's view of history. History is tied up in all of this. You thought that was that thing you studied years ago and forgot everything from school. But no, the the Bible's view of history is actually really important. According to the Bible, history is not a combination of just random events, random accidents that topple onto each other. Nor is history a cycle of birth and rebirth. According to the Bible, history is intentional. And it was intentionally initiated. And it's moving towards the fulfillment of a plan. It's the unfolding of a plan over time. That's how the Bible describes history. See, we're all searching for purpose in our lives. Who am I and what am I here for? Well, the idea of purpose is written into the very fabric of the universe. It's all here because of a purpose. So it would be good to find out what that purpose is. When God created, he created for a reason. It wasn't just to wake up one day and create a universe. The Bible reassures us that there is meaning to our lives because everything is being worked together by God towards the fulfillment of his plan. And God's plan, believe it or not, is for human flourishing. He knows what it will take for us to flourish. His plan for the universe is all about making it happen. It's extremely important to him. And this flourishing is about our perfect, eternal harmony between the creator and the creation, where the creation and the pinnacle of creation, the human being, gives glory eternally to the one who deserves glory. And this plan revolves around one particular human being, and that's because the rest of us are unable to do this, but this one particular human being is flagged over and over in the Old Testament. Numerous hints of this glorious human being to come, we know who he is, He's the seed of Abraham. He is the descendant of David. But before we we just jump into the New Testament, think for a moment about some of the things that are said in the Old Testament. I mean, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. He refers to himself as that over and over. Well, hear how the Son of Man is described in Daniel, the vision given to Daniel in the Old Testament from hundreds of years beforehand. See, Daniel has this incredibly vivid vision 
of God's glory. And we, we saw the river of fire and all that kind of stuff in the first part of that Daniel reading. But then in the second half of this Daniel reading, there's this picture of God's glory, and in the middle of it is this. The Son of Man, the human who's coming, the Son of Man approached the Ancient of Days, God, and was led into his presence... He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. You see, this is a glimpse of the map of human history That there will be a human who will be given all of the creator's authority. Everyone around the world will acknowledge his authority and bow before him one day and this authority will never be taken away from him. That's the promise of the Old Testament. And as we come to this great commission at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus has risen from the dead and he says to his disciples, that human being in the prophecies of the Old Testament, that human being with all of God's authority is me. It's happened. God's plan is coming to pass. I am the one God has given all his authority. So the second all, and we'll look through these more quickly, is, go, is to go and make disciples of all nations. So there's a task Disciples of Jesus have a role to play in fulfilling God's plan too, and that is that disciples make more disciples. Because as we look around the world, we often don't see signs of Jesus' authority. No way. We see signs of disregard of Christ, couldn't care less about him or disobedience to him, or joking about him, or open defiance of him, or even using his name as a swear word. So is there some problem with this authority? Well, no, the plan's just not finished yet. There's a task still to be completed, and we are to call people to follow Christ, to be disciples of Christ. Go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says, because this is just, this is for the whole world. It's not just for the British Empire, it's not just for Anglicans or Trinity Network people, it's for all human beings, whatever planet, whatever part of the planet you live on. We are the kind of worshippers who bow before Jesus, who are also disciples. We, we bring others in to help them to understand the need to worship him as well. We tell others about him because we see that he is the one who fulfills their hopes for life too. And we go across cultures and we go across national borders because this is something for all nations. And how else are they going to get it if we don't make those crossings? If Jesus says make disciples of all nations, we try to think of any way we can to fulfill this command to the church. Otherwise, maybe we don't really believe that he has authority over us. Maybe we think we can just make it up and keep on being comfortable as Christians in our own backyard. But no, Jesus wants us to ask what cultures should we cross to make disciples of Christ? And which borders should we cross to make disciples of Christ? The third all, teach them to obey all I've commanded. 
The point is, when we come to see and know God's Jesus' authority over all things, we realize that it is a good and loving authority. We desire to obey him. We trust that anything that he demands of us, he demands in love for us and for others. This is not authoritarianism or totalitarianism or it is not dictatorial. This is the command of the one who lays his life down for us. The one who really put his money where his mouth was. He poured himself out at the cross so that we might flourish, so that this whole historical unfolding might happen. And we believe it can only flourish in him. That makes the news urgent and critically important. So what does it mean for us all to obey what Jesus has commanded? I think we start with this command, but it also means we search the scriptures for everything that Jesus has said and taught. And not just the words in the gospel, the words in red, but the rest of the New Testament, which testifies to him and is written down under his authority. Jesus tells the apostles to go and write down what they see and and have heard. And also all the Old Testament, that Jesus himself sits under that authority. So we, we read the whole scriptures and we sit under the authority of Christ and we seek to please him because he has loved us and commanded us. The fourth all, finally, is I am with you always. And so these last words to his disciples, it's not its not the words of a, a dying man saying submit or die, but rather these are comforting words, the one in complete control, and he promises that he is with us for our protection and our provision for all time. I have a good friend who's, who named his daughter Emmanuel. We know Emmanuel from Christmas, don't we? It means God with us. Jesus, of course, was Emmanuel, God with us on the planet. But now that Jesus has ascended, we have the spirit of Jesus with us, God with us in our hearts, in our fellowship together. Jesus' promise was not to leave us to fend for ourselves in the dark, to try and just stumble through life and all of its randomness and try and work out a way for for ourselves. No, his promise is to be with us along the way. If you have turned from your sin and have put your trust in this man Jesus, as he calls us to, then you are saved but you're, you're also, you know that you have the spirit of him in you forever. He is with you forever. It's not just some sort of tick box that happens. It's a new connection. He will never forsake you or leave you. What a saviour. What a friend. And so what have we got to be afraid of in going and becoming a missionary? Doesn't doesn't matter where he wants us to go. This stuff is just too good. Crossing cultures and borders for Jesus is hard and it may cost us dearly. But if Christ is living in us and protecting us and providing for us, we will endure all things. And then you'll be able to come back to stand on a platform like Shane and Naomi have and testify to the power of God at work through your witness. The Apostle Paul says, I can do anything through him who gives me strength. Conclusion then. Where do, what, what do we make of this? Christians go wherever 
Jesus sends us. So I now have the joy of working for CMS, the Church Missionary Society. We're a global mission agency, but we don't send people on mission. Who does? Jesus. <laughs> he, we just read it. Jesus sends us on mission. He sends the church on mission. He calls every Christian, not just his first disciples, but every Christian to go and make disciples among the nations. This is our job, brothers and sisters. You don't need to actually wait for a special dream or a transcendent experience. You've already been recruited by Jesus for global mission. But how do we do this? Uh, do we all have to go overseas? We're all at different stages in life. Life is complicated, do, you know. Are we all going to become missionaries with CMS? I've got sign-ups up the back, anyone who'd like to. Plenty of my business cards, give me a call. Well, yes and no. We can't all be overseas missionaries, and even if we could, none of us could go to all the nations, could we? So how do we do it? And the answer actually is pretty simple. Uh, the answer is partnership. We partner with missionaries in various parts of the world. Wasn't it great to see that photo earlier of those school students, all of whom were connected to other missionaries who were doing a whole range of other good things, Some of, one of whom had gone back to India to become, to get him to witness in that, in her context there. That's a great photo of partnership, isn't it? But partnership is the whole, is the method by which we do all of this. And partnership can involve prayer, not just in church from the platform here and joining in from your seat, but in your own devotions, prayer. Partnership can involve giving because mission isn't a cheap thing to do. And, you know, some churches will give a proportion of their budget, um, and but also giving from our pockets. And I know the Trinity Network doesn't give an, an allocation from their own budget because they want to encourage the members of the church to give personally and to partner personally with mission. Partnership can also involve getting to know the cultures in which the missionaries that your church partners with are working, seeking to provide for those missionaries, finding out what are the sorts of things that are going on for them in those cultures. So my question is, will you partner with a missionary? Maybe with one of your church's existing CMS missionaries. We, we actually have a couple of other African missionaries, uh, South Africa, the Rose are in South Africa, Mike and Karen Rowe, or the Davises are in Tanzania, Arthur and Tammy Davis in Tanzania. You may want to partner with them. It's something that you can do as a church together, but also something that you can do personally, um, as Nikki um, testified to before. So will you partner by praying and giving? If you personally sign up to partner with one of our missionaries, you get a monthly partnership update email uh, to help you to know how to pray for them. And you can also set up regular giving as well, depending on where where people are up to in their life, whether they're in the workforce or whether they're on a fixed income, whether they've got lots of money or not so much. We suggest $35 a month, but some give less, some give more. It doesn't really matter, to be honest. What matters is how do we partner together with what God is doing overseas, getting on our knees in prayer and also allowing God to use our resources. But of course, for some people, yes, the answer is you, you probably could go overseas and come and talk to me about it. 
CMS helps the church to set aside people that could could do the overseas thing and helps the church to partner with others who are already on location. So to finish, what is a Christian? A, per, a Christian is a person who is saved by Christ for serving Christ. We, we know that. But in these last words on earth, Jesus says, a Christian is somebody who's involved in global mission. I want the church to send missionaries, says Christ. And so we go wherever Jesus sends us and we partner with those who cross borders and cross cultures in the name of Christ. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for giving your authority to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one promised from the very beginning. And Father, we thank you that you have made him our saviour. Our Father, we pray that as we reflect on his words to his disciples and therefore the church that would come out of that, that you would help us to work out how do we partner with mission, whether it be in our backyard or in regional South Australia or in Australia, or whether it be globally. We just pray that you would help us to um, to know what is the best way to get involved. Father, please may your spirit work amongst us and make us a truly encouraging and empowered congregation. Those who want to see your name exclaimed and proclaimed in every corner of the globe. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.